hundred years. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta get it done. No time for fun now. Take me back when I was a kid. Never had to worry about what I did. But I'm a man now. What's the plan now? Gotta move on. Those days. Mike Young. Stock Tip Dave is in the house. Stories that need to be told. We're back, man. It's been the longest. L- there goes that crunkling. It's been the longest layoff I've ever had in my life of anything. I apologize. We were consistent for a minute. I disappeared to Lake Michigan for the summertime, and I became inconsistent on the podcast. And you cannot be inconsistent when you're getting something building and you're getting it going. And I'm, I'm, I'm just sorry. And I didn't have the, you know, I just didn't have the, I just didn't have the material when I was there. I just, you know, I was on a lake. I was on the boat. I was writing a new movie. I was getting these things together, and I did not have the brain capacity to to lock in. And I'm starting to think maybe I need to wake up like two hours earlier than I do. And I wake up at like eight thirty, you know. <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe I need to get up two hours earlier and put those hours into what's going on because i've started to get more of like a little bit of a busier life and it's like i love doing this but i i you gotta have you gotta have something to talk about you gotta be consistent every week you're getting people i don't care if it's one person three people five people if if five people are like yo man where's the pocket you want to do it for those five people we don't have a ton of listeners we don't have a ton of followers but we've got people who dig it and want it and i i gotta give it to them and so i'm gonna try to stay consistent on this damn thing and because i love doing it i've already written it into a show that we haven't even shot yet like we're shooting a show in november this podcast is being you know what i mean like my me having a podcast is going to be part of it so I got to get back in this world. Where have I been? I've been everywhere. This summer I was. What are you gonna say, Dave? You chomping at the bit to say something. What are you gonna say? No, I was gonna you're, say. You're so out of. You're so out of uh, the loop of, of learning how to sit and listen. I, but go ahead. What are you gonna say? I was listening. No, no, I was just saying we could even do shorter podcasts if you like. So you wake up two hours early. You could do like a little record, a little thirty minute segment. Just throw it out there. Yeah, you're no. You're a hundred percent right. I am one hundred percent at fault. I don't make excuses. It's time to change my game or get out of the game. So it's just something I love to do. It's, you know what I mean? It's a fun thing for me. I love bringing in guests. But I, you know, and we could bring in guests every week, right? But I'm like, I don't want to bring in the guests that we could bring in until we have a bigger following. It's like a catch-22. The guests that we could bring in, they'd give us more of a following. But I need to get this thing built up and get some steam before I start bringing in the Stamoses and the, you know, Jessicas and, you know, people who have exactly. got, you know, millions of people following them. And, you know, they're well-known people. But anyway, that being said, it's been an interesting summer leading into the fall. I just got back from my boy Jesse Itzler's 50th birthday party. So Jesse is a motivational speaker. He used to own a company called Marquee Jet. And he owned Zico Coconut Water. He's an entrepreneur. He's a high-level dude. He's my boy of 20-some years. And he threw a 50th birthday bash out in Connecticut. <laughs> and he had Kim performing, Run DMC performing, Young MC performing. He brought back the Sugar Hill Gang. And it was some of the best, most fun moments I've had in years. It was just a good group of people. My boy Jam Master Jay's kids were there. And meanwhile, I'm talking to Jam Master Jay. Rest in peace, Jam Master Jay. 
the anniversary of his death is coming up. Jay was a good friend of mine, and he passed away 17 years ago, I believe. And ironically, I was writing Jam Master Jay's book before, right before he died. So I had an idea because Jay, he had such stories of coming up with Run DMC, and I'm kind of just flowing into this topic because I'm not transitioning well. But Jam Master Jay was the cool entity of Run DMC. Yeah. Run is quirky. You can see Run on TV doing his sitcom thing. He's a legend in the Run's game. Runs house. Runs house. He's got, you know, the his new show's called like the Washingtons that's on Netflix. So I met Run DMC through Jesse. He introduced me to Jam Master Jay 18 years ago, bro. Wow. Not only did I meet Jam Master Jay in his office, but you know who was their intern? 50 Cent. <laughs> no way. A kid named Curtis Jackson. 50 Cent was their intern, sitting there in a, in a T-shirt and sweatpants, writing rhymes in the corner. I swear to you, bro, I met 50 Cent. And I remember, what I remember is Jam Master Jay said, yo, man, this kid's going to blow up big. Because like, Jay was like trying to manage him and help him out. And he's like, yo, this kid's going to be big, man. He's like, yo, Curtis, this is my boy Mike Young. I shook his hand. I remember shaking 50 Cent's hand and thinking to myself, oh, man, this dude's got a big-ass hand. Like, a, <laughs> like, this is a hand that will knock you out. And Jay's like, yeah, man, he was a stick-up kid. He was a, you know, this kid, you know, he'll knock you out. You know what I mean? Like, he's a tough street dude. dude he, he bought my friend's audio company. 50 Cent did? Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, and he's a businessman, entrepreneur, but... Super cool dude when I met him, like whatever. So I met, so Jam Master J, I get to know Run DMC. I get, you know, D's a good friend of mine. I perform now at D's, you know, he, he D was adopted. DMC was adopted, so he does a benefit every year and I perform at his benefit. But Jam Master J, bro, he had such great stories because Run and D are cool as hell. But Jay was like the gangster. He wasn't a gangster, but he was like the cool-ass dude of the group. He taught those dudes how to dress. He taught them how to have swagger. And without him, he was the glue that held Run DMC together. For real, oh, for yeah, real. Absolutely. And so Jay, I'll never forget, I met him. I'm hanging with him. I'm telling Jesse, yo, man, there's like a TV show here. The, the way these three dudes get along and they're so different, there's like a sitcom here. So I went to Paul Sims. This is 17 years ago, man. Paul Sims is like, I think he show runs Insecure on HBO now. Paul Sims is a guy. He's a legend. He's an amazing writer, showrunner, executive producer in this business. If you look up Paul, look up Paul Sims credits, but he's, he's a beast. So I go into Paul Sims' office with the Run DMC, and Paul Sims already has a DJ. He's already got a, a turntable in there, and he's already a huge fan of Run DMCs. And so we created this TV show for them, you know, dudes running a radio station after their rap career, setting Hollis Queens, the whole thing. And Paul Sims is on board, and we take it to NBC, and I'll never forget, and this is when I knew that this business was like run by some real corny-ass white people at certain positions. Sims. You know what I mean? Paul Sims. This is when I knew, and this, by the way, there's great diversity. There is diversity around this business, but when this shit happened, I was like, yo, there's some fucked up white people running things that don't should not be in position. I can't read that, bro. And says, there's like a bunch of them. No, look up his IMDb. Yeah, my, on my D IMDb. So yeah, IMDb. So we're in we're in NBC's offices. We're in NBC's offices, and I'll never forget one of the executives at NBC said to my agent at the time, "Not enough people know about Run DMC. 
Not enough people really know who run. I said, I'm like, Every, what the fuck business are we in? I thought we knows. were. In, I thought we were in the entertainment business. You're telling me as a head, as an executive at this company, 17 years ago. I'm sure the regime's changed. Diversity's getting in places. <laughs> whatever, whatever. But for this. This person at the time, I'm not going to say the name, but to come at us and be like, not enough people know about Run DMC, I'm thinking, oh, we got a problem. Everybody like, knows. Not a, They're the most legendary rap group of all time. <laughs> first rap group ever on the cover of Rolling Stone. First rap group inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's not a debate. It's not a. It's not an issue. It's a fact. So that, that kind of threw me for a big loop. But my point was sitting in these meetings, and we had a few meetings, and I'll never forget sitting in the meeting at like CAA or whoever the agents were at the time. And, you know, everybody's like real in suits, you know, CAA, they're all in suits and kind of stuffy in there. And they're, you know, they're kind of kissing Run DMC's ass at the time and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'll never forget Jam Master J is just on his two way pager, not really paying attention. Really, you know I mean, just like <laughs> until he hears something that he likes. He was one of those dudes who was so authentic that if you threw some BS at him, he's not even looking up at you. He was 100% real. Like, he just didn't even move either way unless you were coming at him with some real shit. And until the, the agent said something that struck a real chord, Jay didn't talk to you. And he was just like, I just thought he was the coolest dude. And after him telling me his story of how they came up in Hollis and how they used to rock the the the, uh, the street parties in the park, you know, in the park and DJ battles in the park, and then Run would come down and MC, and then D would come down. I was like, Yo, Jay, you got a book, man. You gotta ha- you gotta do a book about your life. Like, your life is bananas. I mean, they toured the world at like 18, 20 years old. You know what I mean? They didn't know what was going on. These are fresh out of Hollis, Queens dudes. All of a sudden, they are on in Japan. They don't know what's going on in Japan. They land in Japan. They get off the plane. Everybody's dressed like them. (laughs) They had no idea the effect that the hip-hop culture was having. So I used to have like a, just instead of using my phone, I would have like a, a digital recorder, and I'd be driving around every time Jay came to town. I would be driving around asking him questions, recording him on my on my digital recorder. And believe it or not, man, do you know? I, do you still have it? I don't have it. No, bro. I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me so sick. You know, I got Jay's on my first. He's on my first comedy album, Dropping Bombs. Like if you pull up Dropping Bombs, Jam Master Jay. You can you can hear Jay giving me a shout out. I had the whole group do it, but he was just the most awesome, coolest dude. And so he let me into his world. And you know, fast forward to seventeen, and he used to talk about his kids, you know, Jesse and TJ, and he's got another son that played football, and he used to always talk about his boys, man, like in the in the greatest way. And last week in Connecticut. Two albums. Yeah, dropping bombs. Look at Jam Master J and then tell me if you could pull it up. Um, and then last week we go to Connecticut and here comes. Yeah, what up, what up, what up, Mike? This is Jam Master J kicking it with my man Mike Young. You know what I mean? What's going on with you, man? You need to give me a call, man. You're so crazy, man. Hit me up, man, so we can do something wild tonight, all right? That's what's up. That's what's up. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that almost like gives me chills and almost. That that gets me that gets me emotional hearing Jam Master Jay do that for me, because 
I just asked him, Jay, would you just give me a drop for my album? And he just wasn't even, didn't even hesitate. <laughs> Called me, gave me a drop. Pull up Run, too. Run's on there, too. And uh, I think it's called, I don't know what it says, Run's House or Run something. But cut to, and by the way, this oh, is. Run for Your Life? Yeah, let's hear it. Oh no, this is the opening of the album. This is me. Why'd you stop it, bro? It just, it just happens. Anyway, runs fine run on there. But my point is, one week ago, I go to Jesse's birthday party, and here's Jam Master Jay's kids. And they look just like Jay, and they, talk, and they act like Jay, and they're so smooth. And his son, TJ, TJ Mizell, is a big-time DJ, just like his dad. And he is ASAP Ferg's DJ. He's Little Pump's DJ. He tours the world now just like his dad. And he's a badass DJ. And so to reconnect with Jam Master Jay's kids at Jesse's birthday party just shows you that full circle of love, bro. And it was like, tell, they were like, tell us about our dad. Because, like, you know, when he died, they were five, seven years old. They were young. And, you know, Jay, Jay did a lot. You know what I mean? He, when you, you know, I don't know how to phrase this, but like, you know, he saw the upper world, the highest of the high levels of everything. And when you're in the rap game and you're on the road like that, you see the underworld. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Jay knew it all. And he was the thread and he was the glue that held that all together. Because he didn't... Run is not a street guy. Run will tell you that. He's just not. He's a funny, lovable, super high-talented rapper whose brother's Russell Simmons and, you know, was... He basically didn't have to worry about money that much. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to... I'm not going to get into like his I don't know about his finances I'm just saying when your brother's Russell Simmons you got money you know what I mean so where everybody else was had to be on that hustle hustle you know run could kind of he was okay like I yeah. brought them in to do a commercial in Detroit for a company called DOC so it was run DMC for DOC <laughs> I, I remember being in the trailer and run wouldn't even go onto the set until he got his money you know what I mean which I respect by the way because you got to get your money you know what I mean? Like, if you're talent, you know, you got to get paid if you're if that's in the contract. But exactly. he wouldn't leave the trailer until he got his money. And he's like, Mike, man, where's, you know, when's the money coming? And we had to have the own, the head of DOC company. He wouldn't leave had, it? He had to come, bring the check, hand it to, I got my check for bringing him in. Run got his, Jay got his, D got his. That was it. They went and shot the video. They shot the commercial. <laughs> but it was an awesome experience, man. And it, the the full circle irony of the whole thing is that I thought I was going to be in Run DMC. I mean, my dream as a kid in Detroit, rapping and growing up, I loved Run DMC. I worshipped them. I know every lyric to every song. You know what I mean? Like, that's why last night at Goal, I was hogging the microphone. I couldn't stop rapping. <laughs> you know? But to see Jam Master Jay's kids grow up to be super cool dudes and, like, business-oriented and in the game and, like, following in their dad's footsteps, high-level talent, high-level guys, I, it just, you know, it felt good. It was, it was real cool, you know. And I, I don't usually – it's funny. I don't, I don't really ever talk about – I don't even think I've ever talked about 
how I knew Jay. Have I? No, not at all. Yeah, it's but a story I, that needs to be told. I think a story that needs to be told is uh, the one you told me in the car on the way over here was Sanjay Gupta when you met him. Well, that, Sanjay Gupta is a great dude. Sanjay Gupta, I didn't know, I didn't recognize Sanjay Gupta. He was a guest at Jesse's party. So we're at Jesse's party, and I'm, I just didn't recognize him. I truly did not know who he was. I've, after a minute, I kind of remembered. But Jesse's party took place at a, at a camp. He rented out like a summer camp situation. So everybody had their own cabin. And there were like a bunch of people that worked at the camp that just looked young and they were moving around and like they get you, you put your, take your luggage and they put it in the cabin and tell you where to go and they got you assigned, you know, bunks and stuff like that. It was a full camping experience. I thought Sanjay Gupta worked at the camp. <laughs> so when I walked up with my luggage, he had a baseball hat on and he's totally clean shaven. He looks super young. And I'm like, hey, man, what bunk am I in? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, what bunk am I in? I'm just trying to get the number of my bunk. I forgot what bunk assignment I have. Could you just get me the key? He's like, ha I don't work here. He's like, I don't work here. I'm like, come on, bro. Because he was hanging out with like, other people. I'm like, yeah. you guys work here. And they were, the, they were behind the table where you check in. And Sanjay Gupta could not have been nicer. He's just like, dude, I swear I do not work here. I'm like, all right, whatever, bro. I'll find my bunk some other way. Obviously, that was the running joke for the, for the for the weekend. Was like Mike, that's Sanjay Gupta, bro. He's on CNN doing a travel show every week. What's wrong with you? Did San? Did, and so by every day, every day it was something else. Did Sanjay Gupta come and get your luggage? Yo, did Sanjay get you down to your car? Okay. Yo, is Sanjay taking you to the airport? Basically, I didn't recognize Sanjay Gupta, and I just didn't know who he was. But he couldn't have been nicer. And the next day, Sanjay Gupta. Here's another tra- story that needs to be told. Sanjay Gupta, I said, and I didn't even ask him this because he's of Indian descent, but I asked him because he was telling me he wants to do long-form documentary filmmaking. Yeah. He's way into it. So we, t- we were talking about these documentaries, and we were just getting into, like, the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary, which I think is amazing. I think Ken Burns is obviously one of the best to do it. And he was telling me he wants to get into documentary filmmaking. So I said, have you seen Wild Wild Country on Netflix? So Wild Wild Country is that documentary about Rajneesh, the cult leader uh, from India who came to America, moved his cult into a tiny town. They took over the town. I asked Sanjay if, he, if he'd seen it. His wife's like, has he seen it? How about, you're not going to believe this story. She's like, Sanjay, tell him the story. Sanjay Gupta tells me that when he's eight, nine years old, his parents in America raised a bunch of money with their friends to bring Rajneesh from India to America, that he was already um, going on the road of a martyr and like a band. He was banned from his own country. Wow. But he was like a rock star. And they got money together and they brought Rajneesh, the cult leader, to America. And Sanjay said when he was eight years old, he walked into his living room and Rajneesh was in there sipping a scotch and smoking a cigarette. (laughs) So for all you people out there following cult leaders, just know they're just like us. They drink like us, they smoke like us, they dress like us. But the whole experience of Jesse's party was next level fun. Yeah, I had a similar story of a mistaken identity too. I could tell you it's pretty funny from when Everyone. I worked, when they worked at the Islanders. What's that? When I worked at the Islanders, they had a, a basically at the beginning of the hockey season, they had a dinner where they had the employees and then one hockey player at every single table. Yeah. And the hockey player sits next to me. And, you know, you know me, I'm a basketball guy. I don't really know much about hockey. I know how to sell it. Right. 
and one of the guys who's one of the starting players on the team sits next to me. I think he like works in the the, the, the merchandise area, like selling. Yeah, you didn't recognize him. Yeah. Even he's probably six five in the best shape of anyone's life. Yeah, he looked like he was eighteen years old selling the merchandise, and then I'm sitting here sitting there talking to him, being like, "Hey, yeah, we're we're supposed to have a one of the hockey players, one of the Islanders, sitting at the table." And it's like I don't know who it is yet. And then and then another person sits down, and I'm like, "Oh, I was like, oh yeah, we're we're still waiting on the, the, the hockey player to come." And then as this is going on, they're handing out the microphone to every hockey player at every table. All of a sudden, they walk the, the the microphone up to the guy that I'm talking to, and I'm like, "Oh my god, good story. Good, that's a good story. <laughs> that's similar things. You don't always recognize everybody." And he and thought ho- I was joking with them. He's like, "Yeah." He thought it was funny. He thought I was messing with them because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> yeah, and hockey players are, are hard to recognize. That's why ho- it's interesting because that's why hockey can't get the big contracts on television. Nobody knows who the hell they are. Yeah, and I've always, you know, I always. When I did uh, from you know I'm from Detroit, so I did the Red Wings theme songs back in the day. Yeah. I did like I want Stanley, and I did all these songs for them like to play in the uh, stadiums. But we used to talk with Chris Illich, who's the president CEO of, of Little Caesars and Red Wings. They own the Tigers. But we used to talk about ways of getting hockey more popular. And I wanted to like help them with like their branding and like start doing like cool videos. And I always thought if you put because ho- hockey players are funny dudes. Yeah. And I always thought if you just put hockey players in their in a funny environment and show people what they're really like, it'll catch fire. You know what I mean? Because they're like super locker roomy jokester type oh, yeah. dudes. You know. But you get see if you could find I want Stanley on there. I want Stanley. Man, I got a whole history I, I forgot about. I'm old, man. I've done a lot of things I forgot I did. And yeah, word travels fast too, though too, because like he told that story to other people, and everybody else thought it was hilarious. So they're like, they're like, "Who's this kid that didn't know who you were?" And they'd like yeah, coming yeah. up to me, left he and became right. Became famous. <laughs> but yeah, Sanjay Gupta did not take my luggage I from. Want. A, I want Stanley. It's a Red Wings theme song. See if see if I'm on there. Rap version. Anyone yeah, rap? rap version. That's me. Uploaded by this night. Yeah, upload it. But. Anyway, so that's where I was for one for three days. Jesse's Jesse's birthday party it was incredible. There were so many great people there. Yeah, this is me about to rap a Red Wings theme song. Okay, this is sixteen years ago, at least. I made no money off this. They owe me money. I made some funny corny stuff. But wait till you hear me fucking kill it. Get your hands up, don't fear. 96 is the year. The Red Wings are here. We skate and we pass and we check our opponents to the ground. We're going crazy in Motown. Who wants the puck on a stick when it's time for a goal? Give it to Primo. Stevie on a break. Let him shake, make a move or a fake. And put it in the net. Hey, give it to the Russian line. They'll be fine. Working power plays like assembly lines. Better off Kozlov, Larianov, Fatisov, Konstantinov. They're off. Don't be shocked when the I mean, come on, man. You don't rhyme all those Russian names. Verse 2 coming up The secret history of Mike Young Hey, look out, here comes Paul Coffey An all-star cast of Superior D First of it, Rouse, Strom, and Ramsey We'll hit you, wreck you, bump you, and check you Try all you want, but you never get through Motown witness, another caper From Johnson Brown or Mr. Draper Playing for keeps in the NHL We'll put you up against the glass and say, oh well You might be shocked, surprised, or in doubt This is the year, let me hear you shout I want Stanley 
<laughs> I mean, come on, man. Yo, you call Mike Young if you want a theme song for your for anything. Call me for your team. All right, that's enough. Well, it's funny because back to Jesse's camp. So Jesse's my friend of over 20 years. Jesse, Jesse first started out, he did that song, Go New York, Go New York, Go. He did that song. And it became like the biggest Knicks theme song. And then at the same time, I was doing the Red Wings stuff and some stuff for the Tigers and Detroit teams. And when we connected, we kind of connected on that level. And he got me to do like one song, I think, for the Chicago Bears back in the day. I can't even remember what it was. But... We became good friends. He went on to be a multi-millionaire, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, connecting the you know threads. And that's one of my favorite things about just life, connecting threads, connecting people together. You know what I mean? And like, you know, Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's from Detroit. I told you he hired me to write that movie. We shot the movie. It's probably never going to come out, but it's with Aaron Paul and Jeff Daniels. It's called Grounded. It's being held up by some law type of some lawyer shit. Oh, here's White Boy Rick calling. Put it on. Should we talk to him? Yeah, let's get an update. Yo, this is like an unbelievable co- podcast. I think you can plug it in right here, too. <sighs> shit, man. This is White Boy Rick calling. You've heard the movie. He's calling. Does it this work? Is a prepaid collect call from. Is that or no? Rick. An inmate at Florida Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press 1. To use charges, press 2. Thank you for using Tnetics. You may start the conversation now. You have one minute left. Uh-oh. Yo, Rick. Am I? Yeah, so we got one minute. Oh, damn. I got to get on that JPay and pay it up right now. Sorry, bro. Everything all right? I'll, I'll, I'll handle that. Yeah, I don't think there's JPay, though. Or, uh, Sir, uh, right, right, right. It's, uh, what's it? Serum or whatever. Sirius or whatever it's called. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck it is. Yo, I'll get the link from what's Michelle. Up? Yeah, everything good? Everything's good, man. I'm just sitting down to podcast. I was going to talk oh, to you. We, okay. we, we could have talked about the movie. I'll get the link from Michelle and I'll up that. Okay. And I'll try and call you later on. Okay. Hit me later. We're going to get cut off. How'd your meeting go with Conley? Good? Good, man. Good meeting. I'll tell you all about it. Yeah, we're starting to cast. We're doing a whole thing. Yeah. Okay, buddy. I'll talk to all you right, later. Yeah, get it. All right, bro. Be safe. Later, Rick. I mean, I don't need... I might be the world's most interesting man. Yeah. Wait, what's, <laughs> I mean, that what's, was... What's so pay? When you have a friend that's in jail, you have to put money on a car on a thing to be able to email them or send videos or pictures it's the jpay services so you know this is a whole nother subject but the prison system obviously is a gigantic money-making machine you know what yeah. i mean i mean they make billions of dollars prisons do you know they get money from the phone cards they get money from the you know you put food uh, food money in their canteen you pay you got to pay to talk to them on the phone so there's a company i think it's like Sirius or something like that i have to call up this company i put twenty dollars every time you know on a on a phone card and you get it's only like a dollar a minute or something like that that you get to talk so when it runs out like like rick knew right away like when he said hello and they said you have one minute left that means I'm we're out of money on that thing. Yeah. So I forgot to up the money on it. So <laughs> listen, <laughs> if you got a friend in prison, it costs you money. All right, that's the irony of jail. It's like I thought I thought they're getting punished. Now I, why is it costing me money? 
<laughs> but you know, the good news is for anybody listening, for anyone listening, that's that's Rick Worshey Jr. And there's a movie that just came out called White Boy Rick, starring Matthew McConaughey. Uh, that just came out, and that's it's about him, the guy that just called me. So I know Rick. I think I talked about this before. Oh, yeah. But yeah, if we, we all know who he, who he is. But anyway, we, we stay in touch, and he and I are trying to do a, uh, some business stuff for when he gets out, and I'm trying to help him out and get on, help him get on his feet. And, you know, when you get out of jail after that long, you have to have a transitional plan. You have to have some plan of action before they just, like, kind of let, let you out. I mean, they could let him out in December, and they should let him out, and it's kind of up to Pam Bondi and... The attorney generals of Florida and things like that, but the bottom line is he's been in for thirty years on a nonviolent drug offense. Yeah. It's time get him out of jail. The it's movie's going to help. The movie's going to help. It brings attention. Matthew McConaughey's out there talking about it. Like get him out. You know, you know McConaughey. Maybe you know. May, sometimes they overspeak when they don't know what's going on. But like you know, McConaughey's out there confident. Like. Yo, we'll see you in blood. You know, naming months that he thinks he's getting out. Like, you can't just name, you know, you can't just, it's up to them. It's not up to us. It's not up to Matthew McConaughey. It is, you know, up to the government officials in Florida. Unless he can call them up on the cell phone and be like, release them now. No, that wouldn't even help. They don't play games. There's no, you can pardon somebody if you're the president, but you're not celebrity. I mean, Kim Kardashian made a move to get that person, but it was Trump that had to pardon that person to get them out of jail. Yeah. She started the fire that, that got him out, got that woman out. But bottom line is he will be out at some point sooner than later, and it's just funny that <laughs> I'm just talking and he called from Speaking Florida much, Corrections. You just gave me an idea. Since you know, you're getting all these random phone calls, I, I liked your idea you had a few months ago where you're like, Let's just see who I can call that on the podcast that'll just answer randomly. So let's see. Connolly would probably call. He'll answer. See if there's anybody you can call randomly that'll answer. Let me text Connolly. <laughs> I'm on the podcast. Should we call you? <laughs> um, just to see, just just you know, spin the spin the dial, see who pops up. Yo, last <laughs> night was a t- it was tense, man. I invited a bunch of people to goal, and this is something. Listen, I am single, so I can just say this. I invited a bunch of people, and then other people got invited. And before I knew it, there were like three girls in the building that I had dated at different at different times. So I became like I got like hyper conscious and like uncomfortable. I basically, I basically hid in the booth with Doug Allen. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hid in, I hid in the booth. I didn't have it in me. To, you know what I mean? This girl's mad. That girl's happy. This one's got a dog. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, I'm the guy that invites a girl that's got a dog in a bag. <laughs> Leave your dog at home, okay? I get it. I love your dog. We love... Everyone loves animals. Their butte dogs are great. Leave it at home. Don't bring your dog to karaoke. You know what I mean? Your little hairy-ass dog. People don't want that shit flying around near their chicken tenders. Yeah, you had an issue with another girl who brought a dog a couple days ago. You're like, oh, she's yanking her dog. Yo, because she brought a dog, and she was flopping the dog around, not paying attention to how she was carrying her dog. (laughs) So this woman brings a dog into goal, and she's got her dog with one hand holding it. And it's like, you think you're doing something positive for the dog? That dog's like, why the fuck am I stuck near near the ceviche and you're twisting my neck up on your lap? And there's loud music playing. That dog wants to be near a tree. A dog doesn't want to be in a restaurant. Just so you know, I speak dog. I can see what these dogs are looking at. None of them are happy. Okay, so all you dog lovers out there, they put fake jackets on your dog and you say that they're emotional support dogs. You're lying to yourself. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? You're just an uncomfortable weirdo who has to have a dog with her all the time or him. I've seen dudes. Hey, bro, if you're the guy listening who's in my building on La Cienega and you're that guy who's got a little orange vest on his dog and you bring your dog into the gym, are you crazy, bro? Are you crazy? Your dog is looking around like it just wants to piss on every weight in the gym. You just reminded me of a story the other day because you're talking about emotional support animals. Someone tried to bring an emotional support squirrel on an airplane and got kicked off. Good. I'm (laughs) kicking off your squirrel. Get your stupid peacock off the plane. Get all your animals out of here. You I'm, know what I mean? Uh, I'm really glad I didn't. I was going to bring my dog to work today. Were you? I love your dog. I'm sure I love your dog, Aaron. And you and it's this is a perfect environment for a dog. Yeah. But would you bring your dog to a karaoke bar? Absolutely. No. It's- no. What kind of dog is it? Australian cattle dog. Yeah, that dog doesn't want to be in karaoke. That's a beautiful yeah, dog. No, loud that noises. Wants, that wants to be around nature. That wants to take a walk. It likes to see people when it wants to see people. These people are forcing their animals into situations they don't want to be. So what I say is, your dog needs emotional support. Your emotional support dog <laughs> needs an emotional support cat or needs an emotional support person. You should put the vest on and treat your dog right because you're backwards. <laughs> your shit is all backwards. I'm not kidding. I feel like I'm channeling Rappaport right no, now. But I can tell you it was a little tense for you last night because one of the girls you invited knew me. And so she came up to me one time. She's like, yeah. I'm here, but I, I, I think he invited some other people, so I'm going to talk to you for right now. Who, the girl with the dog? No. Does she have an orange dress on and a, and a, ba- a weird... No, like, the, the girl from the comedy store. Um, yeah, that girl caused a whole riot. You know what I mean? God bless her. I, I'm not mad at her, but like she comes in with barely half a shirt on. You know what I mean? She's <laughs> fully naked in goal. She was one of Miley Cyrus's backup dancers. I know her for a while. She comes in. She's dancing. She's humping the table. She's on a table. She's making a scene. Everyone's like, oh, loves her. She's good for business for Goal, but she's stressing <laughs> me out. So Goal, it was great for me. I, I ended up just grabbing a microphone as my emotional support blanket, and I ended up rapping for an hour. Strice hogged the mic. I'll say that. I did hog the mic last night. Um <laughs> Mike Hogg Young. You know what I mean? I get in one fight with Connolly a night. of One fight per karaoke. He's hiding a mic. I'm hiding a mic. He's telling me I'm a Mike Hogg. He's a Mike Hogg. Bottom line is, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a high-tensity night. I had to get out of that booth. Plus, I'm not drinking. Yeah. I haven't had a drink in 10 months. I'm going crazy. I need to start drinking. And I'm not saying that as an alcoholic, weirdo, maniac. I'm just saying enough is enough. I thought I, the plan was I was going to take a month off drinking. January. That was in January. I'm like, I'm going to take a month off and see how I feel. Well, now it's 10 months later because I felt so good. But I, gotta, I don't like feeling this good. I need to feel, I got I to feel bad again. Well, last night it would have been understandable because instead of being tense, you would have been like, all right, I can handle this. <laughs> Totally. But then I started looking around, and they do have, they actually did have Don Julio and Yeho. I feel like they brought it back for me because in the beginning of the new goal, they didn't I, have it. I, I ordered that for somebody last night. Yeah, they got Don Julio and Yeho. It's back. I'll be drinking soon enough, but when I come back to drinking, I'll be very calm. I'll try to do it only on the weekends because I was one of those dudes who was not out of control, but I was slow sipping tequila on a nightly basis, and I cannot tell a lie. 
And I was rolling up to the comedy store with my silver flask, <laughs> not because I'm cheap and not because I need to drink, but because they don't have good liquor. So I like good tequila. So I was sipping my good quality tequila in my flask. It was getting to a point where I was doing it basically every night, and I was starting to wake up dehydrated, feeling like shit. I took the month off. That became 10 months, and he, and now I'm, I'm feeling it's time to come back. I just don't want to get vertigo again. Yeah, no, but you just give me an idea. Also, it's sure... A uh, connoisseur of tequila, maybe t- t- test some tequila and make your own line. Yeah, let's do it. We'll start a tequila company. I mean, apparently I know enough people. <laughs> Yo, so just like that, white boy, uh, I don't want to call him white boy Rick. His name is fucking Rick. Just like that, Rick had his girl send me the company. It's called Cirrus. Uh, no, it's called, it's called Securus. So you go on Securus and you put your money in for your friends that are in jail, and and that's how you get your money up. So I, I got to put money to, to talk to Rick, and we're we're talking because when he gets out, I think he should go on a speaking tour, and just tell anybody in this in the drug game, any young kids coming up that you know what I mean. Especially nowadays, it's a it's a different world, you know what I mean? Because now everyone's a snitch, everybody's on video, everybody's on Snapchat, everybody is like. It's not the time to be a secret, doing secret shit. Yeah, that's why I kind of liked growing up in the, you know, in the 90s because there was no social media. You still had your, you know, like people like Michael Jordan. If he played now, he would get eaten alive every day by social media. Exactly. Michael Jordan could not be smoking his cigars and trying to date 96 girls in 82 cities yeah. if, this was, if this was happening right now. Social media has changed the way the world looks, and that's that. But let's get back to where have I been. Where the hell am I? Where was I? I did, about, I did about six, six cities with Saget over the summer, and uh, that was fantastic. Bob and I always have a great time. And, um, you know, a lot of positive things have happened. I like to keep it positive. So I wrote the Garment District movie. We, you know, the contract is on the table right now. And, you know, I don't know, man. These podcasts are weird because it's like I don't want to – can you, what do I have to lose if I say names of, of companies? Big deal. I can say yeah. whatever I want, correct? It's, or it's life. You, get, you can talk about how you and Bob made someone laugh that they fainted in the audience because they were laughing so hard. No, they didn't, they didn't faint from laughter, Dave. Somebody, when I got on stage opening for Saget in, in Portland, there was a 911 emergency. Somebody fainted in the front. It was before I even started. I came on stage. A guy fainted. A girl jumped up. She's like, call 911. That was the first time that ever happened to me on stage. So... You know, everything happens in comedy. You don't know. You don't know what you're going to be dealing with. But uh, let's see. Who else was at Jesse's? You know, these are good stories. So Jesse's, he knows so many high level people, high level entrepreneurial people. Who are you going to say? Well, he owns my former uh, employer. Oh yeah, he owns Jesse owns a piece of the Atlanta Hawks. So he had some of the Hawks guys. Like I think the GM was there, the coach of the Hawks was there. Um, you know, he had Young MC got on stage and did bust a move. I mean, Young MC, man, he flew him in from Phoenix. And it's just funny to see these old school hip hop dudes because these guys, like, they really rap. They don't do this crazy mumble rap shit. And I know mumble rappers, I know there is a talent there somewhere. I know you're, I know you're saying something when you're mumbling. I can't hear it because I just can't hear what you're saying. But these dudes, like, you see Rock Kim. I mean, this is a poet, man. At a, this is a high-level poet. Rakim did three songs at Jesse's birthday party. I mean, I was like, this is like my dream concert. 
And the one cool thing that Jesse did to keep it on a positive note, it was his birthday, but he wanted to speak about everybody that was there. So he didn't let anybody get up and say something about him. He talked about every single person. So he did like six speeches during his weekend and brought 25 people up per time, whatever. And he brought me up on stage and like just said the nicest, told a funny story about everybody. And he told the story about me. Me and him, we've known each other over 20 years. We were running mates when we both were young, going wild in our 20s in L.A. We were going clubbing. We were, and he told a story about how I snuck us into a nightclub. I snuck us into the hottest nightclub in Hollywood. My first two months ever living in L.A., there was a place called like Bar One. And it was like where Mickey Rourke and all these older celebrity dudes were, and Charlie Sheen and everybody's hanging. And I just knew... And no offense to doormen and security out there, but like, I'll trick you when I'm in my 20s. I'm, I'm a master. I was a mat. Me and my boys in Detroit, <laughs> we could sneak in anywhere. We used to sneak in every single place. We sneak in a game, a concert. We'll figure out a way to get so in a place. You might have been a part of the story that I read about then because I actually read a story about Jesse being in L.A. in the 90s. And he would go to the Beverly Hilton or one of the one of the high profile hotels, and not even stay there. Never stayed a night in the hotel ever. Yeah, and he would just go to the bar, and he met some most influential people of his life in this bar. Yes, that was one of his techniques as an entrepreneur was to position himself in a place where he knew he could meet people, and that was just part of our mentality. Like I was definitely with him going into the Beverly Hills Hotel, ponying up and hanging out, and who you see there. And I literally, by the way, from doing stuff like crazy shit like that. I'm telling you, bro, I've met so many connections. I feel like that's kind of how I met Kevin and Leo and Toby. You know what I mean? I kind of just snuck into a basketball game, and they became my friends. But my point was is that he told the story about how I rolled up at bar one, and he's like, how are we going to get in? We're never getting in here. I'm like, watch this. I walk up to the door, and I go, I'm Mike Young. I play for the Celtics. <laughs> no I just way. said all I – that's all I said because I knew – Nobody was going to research the Celtics lineup at the time. So I just said, I'm Mike Young, who I am. I was. I am Mike Young. I have my ID to say I'm no Mike smartphone. Young. No smartphone. This dude wasn't checking shit. I said, yo, I'm Mike Young. I play for the Celtics. He, he, he checked. He goes, let me see your ID. I show him my ID. All right, it's Mike Young. Come on in. We walked right into the club and went wild, had a blast. And it was like when we were both in like heavy, heavy in the rap game. And I was trying to get a record deal, and he already had a record deal on Delicious Vinyl. And I remember there was a cypher going on. There was a freestyle rap going on. And it was Everlast from House of Pain, and this dude, Justin Warfield, and the guy that played, I swear this is crazy, this memory's coming up. Corey Nemec, I think his name was. He was like on one of those shows, like Corky Does, I forgot the hell. <laughs> Some He was an actor, but he was also a rapper. And I didn't really care about breaking into somebody's cypher i just wanted to freestyle with everybody so i got in the cypher in the circle and i start freestyle rapping and i kind of didn't ask to get in and i'll never forget i start battle rapping with everlast and he snatches the beer he's about to fight me he snatches the beer out of my hand i was like yo bro what's up what was that for so we i squared up for a minute with everlast and he starts talking shit and next thing i know he's got a fucking shank like a knife that he's holding like in his hand in between this motherfucker's going to stab me. Damn. Like, Everlast was ready to go. And that's when I knew, oh, he's real. Like, this dude's not playing games. I'm definitely not going to get stabbed in a freestyle rap cipher. But 
those were just the memories that Jesse was bringing up about us, you know, knowing each other for so long and sneaking in. And then the other story he told was uh, he's an endurance runner now. He's an endurance athlete, and he t- and he he was getting ready to do a paddleboard competition where he paddleboards 30 miles around Manhattan and the Hudson River and Holy all around crap. Manhattan. So he's like, Mike, I'm paddleboarding tomorrow. You and your brother, I got you guys a canoe. You're going to be my spotters on the paddleboard competition. And I'm like, okay, cool. So in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, I can keep up with a paddleboarder. I'm on a canoe. I hope it didn't fall in. That water's dirty, dirty, kidding, dirty. bro? It gets worse. <laughs> we get to the, it's six o'clock in the morning. The next morning, I got Jesse's peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I got his bananas. I got his coconut water. I got everything. This is a few years back. And we're ready to go. And we put the canoe in the water. And I re- first I look around, me and my brother get in the canoe. We realize there's no other people in a canoe. There's no canoes in the Hudson River. <laughs> and when we sit in the canoe, the canoe kind of like lowers deep. And I'm like, man, this doesn't feel safe at all. We're wearing life vests, but this doesn't feel right. And so there's 200 paddleboarders about to take off in a race. Everybody else that's spotting everybody is on a jet ski. There's like boats out there. There's real people doing real things. We're in a canoe. Long story short, the gun goes off for the race. The starter pistol goes. The racers take off. We lose Jesse. We can't move. We're going one mile an hour in the Hudson River, <laughs> me and my brother. Every single paddleboard racer is already 500 yards away. We can't find anybody. We can't catch anybody. I'm telling my brother, he's in the front. I'm in the back. I'm like, yo, bro, this feels dangerous. We lost Jesse. This isn't going to work. We start, we're like, let's just give it a shot. Let's go hard for a second, see what happens. We start going hard. A freaking cruise ship comes down oh, the Hudson, God. passes oh, yeah. us. Gets a wave on us, bam, we almost flip over in the Hudson. We're like, fuck this, we're pulling off on the pier. We pull off to the pier in the Hudson River where the Intrepid is, where they store the Intrepid shuttle or whatever that is. <clears throat> what is the Intrepid? A space shuttle? I'm not sure, but you can never be quite sure what the Hudson I mean. That's where that plane landed. Plane lands in there, people die in there, it's full of shit. So we pull off the pier, we lose Jesse, it's 100 degrees out, and he's about to paddleboard with no water at 30 miles. We get to the pier, luckily, by the grace of grace, we get to the pier, and ESPN is shooting a documentary series on the pier. So there's like three giant athletes that are like, that see us, and we're like, mayday. We get to the pier, because we can't get out of the thing to get the, (laughs) we can't get the canoe out. So we're like, yo, help, help. And we look up, and it's Dahani Jones, like the linebacker, free safety or whatever for, like, Denver. I don't even know where he played. But long story short, they he helps. He gets us out of the canoe. We get the canoe out of the water. We put it on. I call Jesse's house. His boy answers. I'm like, yo, bro, we got to get a driver. We got to get, get a car. We got to find Jesse. Driver comes, picks us up. We get in the car. We are driving around Manhattan, going to all the points of water access. And looking for Jesse. Bro, it's two and a half hours later. We're on the east side of Manhattan. I'm on a bridge in a full panic. Finally, I see Jesse coming pa- coming past us. I'm like, yo, Jess! He's like, what the fuck, man? Where have you been, man? What's going on? I'm like, I'm so sorry, bro. We lost you. We were in the canoe. Meanwhile, I'm thinking it's his fault for giving me a canoe. You can't canoe on the Hudson. I'm like, I got your sandwiches and your water and your bananas. 
So I put all his shit in a Ziploc bag <laughs> and I it. throw it to him over the bridge. <laughs> and it gets to him, man. And I finally, we get the food and water to Jesse and he's, and he's okay. And we save him. But he was very upset. I'm amazed it didn't go in the water when you threw it. It did, but he it, it floated for a second. He got it. <laughs> so we get done with the race, and I happened to be shooting My Man as a Loser at the time. The the movie was Stamos and Rappaport. <clears throat> so that night, we're, I'm going to do a screening at Jesse's house just for my friends and my brother. So we go, and Jesse's in a bad mood because he was dehydrated. You know, we almost lost him. It was terrible. But we were all okay. We laughed about it for a long time. We go to Jesse's apartment in Manhattan. We're going to screen the movie. I tell him I'm very nervous because no one had seen the movie yet. I have a cut of it. I tell my brother, I want you to write down every, mark down every time somebody laughs that we laugh. I want to see if I can get 100 laughs out of this movie. So my brother had a yellow legal pad and a pencil. He was going to mark the laughs down. And so the movie starts, and we've been in the heat and sun all day. The movie starts, three minutes in the movie, I look over, my brother's snoring. He's out cold, doesn't record a single thing. He's totally out. Jesse's sleeping with his foot getting massaged by the some masseuse. And I basically watched my movie by myself. And that was another story that he told on stage in front of everybody. And so basically it was a, it was a, it was a love fest at Camp Jesse, and th- th- this girl keeps texting me. What's, what's she saying, man? Is uh, is, is Colin text back or no? Yeah, but, but we'll, he he doesn't want to, he doesn't want us to call him right now. Um, <laughs> I'm on the podcast. We'll call you. We're not calling him. We could do a couple random calls, but we're, but we're not. I just wanted to I just wanted to use this podcast to catch up, man, yeah. and talk about where I've been and where we're going. And so single mic, single mic is something that's a passion project. And we are going to shoot a pilot. We're going to go make single mic. And I'm very excited because it's like, it's my R-rated Seinfeld. It's just my fun piece that I know there's a story there about this character based on me, you know, who navigating single life in LA and, you know, who's been heartbroken, who is now fully engulfed in single, you know, and is too afraid to get back into a relationship. So he's on this journey where nothing but fun and funny happens, but the heart of it is he's scared to get back into it. So I got the, I got the financing, you know, I've been very lucky, man. Yeah. I don't know how this, it just keeps happening. It's a beautiful thing, but the right people are believing in me. So I basically threw out a couple emails. I asked a couple people, did they want to get involved? There were no real questions asked. I got a yes. I got send me your wiring information and they dropped the money in the account and now we're going to shoot it and i'm starting to cast up and our cast is looking pretty damn amazing and i don't want to really i don't really want to talk about who's in it right now just because let's just you know i'm jewish i don't like to jinx things yeah we believe in weird shit but let's just say <laughs> i got some of the most talented funny people in the world to me to me other people i don't care you know what i mean if you don't like if you don't like who i'm bringing in the mix that's on you I got to be around people I love, respect, think are funny, think are talented, have discipline. And that you can work with. That I can work with, I can flow with, that come to the set professional. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. Like, nobody, this business is so weird because you could be super talented, super funny, but if you're not showing up on time and you're showing up late, that shit costs money. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm not trying to give advice, but if I'm going to give any kind of advice, I'm going to say be on time and be as professional as you can be. It's like, listen, Dave, I'll, I'll, I'll use you as an example. 
Connolly, listen, we wanted, you know, don't make any any excuses right now. I'm just going to put you on blast. But you're going to, this is something you learn because you've never done anything in a scripted series or anything. But I had, I, ha- I wanted Dave to print up two scripts, episode one and two, with cover sheets and get them to me and Kevin and like get us so we can get to the, a- go, we're going to go make copies and get them to the actors. Now that sounds like a simple task and it is a simple task, but you have to, check every single page you have to make sure that the cover pages match on every single script and you did kind of make sure that all the pages were there but you had two different cover pages on the scripts and that's unacceptable we didn't scold you we didn't go off on you but just for you to know because this isn't your business until now you've never been in this business you've been selling tickets at high level suites and around the country to basketball games and sporting events you know what i mean this is a different game yeah. but when you if you you know you got to be on your a game so when you deliver a script if there's a weird cover page or something's not making or if there's one page missing in that script it's fucked yeah, the but- whole thing's fucked and so any actor, producer, director who gets that is going to throw that shit in the trash and get pissed. And you're going to waste a lot of time. So point being, just when you have, you know, when someone says, you know, get this script, get it copied, get a cover page on it and get it to me, you look at every single page. I don't yeah. care if it's 30, Double, triple tech it. 30, 60, 120 pages, whatever it is check every page make sure it's there and then you deliver because if there's one page missing then the show isn't yeah, there makes everything that's it you got to be organized and it's it's not a big deal it's just a discipline and it's just something yeah. you got to do and you're right because i've read articles of um high name actors you know getting in arguments with the directors or the funders because they show up late or they're not prepared or they're just you know like you said they're not disciplined about you know their their work ethic on the set so they just kind of come and go as they please and it's like and these are high-name people that, you know, I've read about doing that. Wait, what do you mean come and go? Is it, oh, you're talking about high-level people acting inappropriately? Yeah, they, they'll come in late. They'll show up late. Sometimes they won't be sober. Sometimes they will be. So yeah. Just because, you know, they've established themselves and they, you know. Well, that's the, that's the thing. People fucking in this business, Argus Hamilton, the comedian, always had a great, he had a great opening line that he used to do all the time. And he, I think it was like, L.A. is like huge ego no, I don't want to say no talent, but people have like these egos and they think that this entertainment business is like bigger than it is. It's like if Ford Motor Company wanted to dissolve the entertainment business, you know what I mean? There wouldn't be any more entertainment. Yeah. Like if two major corporations, if Ford and G and General Electric wanted to say, yeah, let's not have any movies anymore. They could just buy two studios, buy the studios and shut them down, you know? But the egos that are in this business, people think it's like, the biggest thing in the world we're lucky to even have this business i feel lucky to be able to write stories and like get them out there or like tell jokes and have a platform you know and it's when you get these fucking people with these egos who think that they're the shit you got to knock them down you know what i mean you got to chop them down and that's that's what comedians are for you know that's what comedians are for it's funny because we're in that hashtag Me Too movement shit right now, and I'm, I've been watching like Bill Burr on stage, and Burr is just murdering it. You know what I mean? That dude don't give a fuck. I mean, he I'm- tells the truth from the guts of the guts of truth, you know. And he's coming out with it, and he's like, same with Chappelle. You know, all all of them. You know, their take on this thing, on this whole situation, is is interesting and real and correct because 
the rapey, powerful, scumbag motherfuckers that have been doing dirt forever, you're getting weeded out, found out, put in jail. Your time's out. Your time's up. Time's up. You're done. You know what I mean? But there are these other lingering dudes that just made some fucked up decisions and bad mistakes. You know what I mean? And like had some shitty moves in the bedroom that even when you make an allegation against them, you're ruining their career in one day. And that is fucked up. That is to take a dude's ability to earn a living away for just a mistake he made one time 15 years ago. You know, I'm t- and I'm not talking about, I'm not, t- I'm saying if you did real dirt, fuck you, get the fuck out. And if you did it multiple times, get the fuck out. If you're a serial groper, if you're a serial rapey motherfucker, get the fuck out. The game's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like my joke. Personality is making a comeback. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm I'm doing things without power and money. You know what I mean? We gotta, you know what I mean? I'm doing fine, but like I'm no, I don't have that George Clooney dough. Point is, the comedians that are speaking out on it right now, for everyone that I've seen, is is killing it in they're, a great way. They're killing Harvey Weinstein every time. <laughs> yeah, like Chappelle's joke is amazing. He's like, the first time I looked at Harvey Weinstein, all I thought was, oh, he rapes, he rapes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you just got that face, you know? Jeff Ross had a good one, too. Jeff Ross goes, he goes, yeah, everybody in Hollywood has seen Harvey Weinstein's dick except for him. That is genius. <laughs> Jeff Ross is one of the best, man. All these dudes, man. It's like, there's like it's funny because there's a wave of like new, fresh comedians. But there's also this wave of comedians that are like really taking up stage time. And I know that a lot of them don't have a passion. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a catch-22 because I don't like to judge like these people coming up that just want to do comedy to get a TV show or just want a comedy to showcase something. But you get the fuck out of the way of the real comedians who live and breathe this type of shit. You know what I mean? Like the people on this wall up here, these, these are comedians. You know what I mean? Steve Byrne, Bobby Lee, Brody, Burt Kreischer, Bill Burr. These are motherfuckers who earn their stripes. You know what I mean? Who've, you know, me and Bobby Lee back in the day, bro, I'll t- I could tell you stories. You know what I mean? We were doing shows in the basement of the Ramada Inn five nights a week in wow. front of three people. You know what I mean? Bobby Lee hit it on Mad TV, had 300000 in the bank. We went to get hookers together. You know what I mean? I almost ruined Bobby Lee's career in one day. <laughs> Did I tell this story on this podcast? I don't know if on the podcast, but I've definitely, I, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Lee, he's got his girl now. He's good. But 15 years ago, he wasn't so good. You know what I mean? And we were just enjoying his success at the moment. I signed my first deal. He had Mad TV. We had some money in our pocket. We went to the back of the LA Weekly. Let's say let, we we said let's go have some fun. We went to a place where there were supposed to be hookers. Fuck it, I can say I don't care. I'll say it. There was then we went to the place. It was like a hotel motel type of situation. I pulled up. Bobby's got no street sense at all. He's straight out of San Diego. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. I'm a hood from Southfield. We walk up. I see a guy and a girl on the balcony. Immediately, I think, sting operation. It's about to go down. Bobby, don't go in there. This is a sting operation. You're crazy. I'm going in. I'm definitely, I'm going in. You can stay in the car. He doesn't even see what I see. So I said, okay, do, do, what, do whatever you want, bro. Weren't you like asking her if she's a cop right away? I said, yo, Bobby, when you walk in, just ask her if she's a cop. Bobby Lee walks in, goes in the door. 
I don't see what he does. 40 seconds later, he comes running out downstairs in the car. We're gone. I said, what happened? <laughs> he said, oh, I asked her if she was a cop. She didn't answer me at all. She didn't say a single word, and I ran out. And bottom line was the <laughs> next day, no joke, on the news, major prostitution ring busted on Sunset Boulevard at that motel. So you're welcome. I saved your career, bro. Your senses were tingling. Or I ruined it because maybe that controversy would have, you know, I didn't ruin it. Bobby Lee's doing great. Bobby Lee, <laughs> Bobby Lee comes up in a half shirt with holes in it. He's probably got a million and a half sitting in the bank. I don't want to hear him <laughs> complain about shit. Anyway, we've been on here for an hour. I've been rambling, talking, told a couple good stories, where we've been, where we're going. I'm excited to get back on this thing because I just, I love doing this, but I got to stay consistent, you know? And even Al, the head of, you know, Al Magical, the head of ATC is like, listen, you got to, you know, I'm on the fence of getting cut. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm on the fence. And I, you know, this is, it's been a theme in my life where I've taken on too many things and one drops. But I don't want this to drop. You know what I mean? I want to keep this going and figure out a way. And maybe I just have to hire like a social media person who just, you know what I mean, just gets the word out crazy. And that that could be you. But I mean like a professional, someone who just only all they do is social media shit. You know what I mean? They know. Because all I'm doing is I'm getting the link. We put it up on All Things Comedy. That's a good thing. But like the extra shit you got to do. Like I'm taking the link. I'm going to like University of Arizona I'm dropping it in people's comment boxes. Yeah. I'm literally hijacking places I just mean, to get people to listen. We're over a thousand on Instagram right now. Yeah, no, and, and that's great, but I want to be a million. Like, yeah. how, how do we do that? And I think I also have to get out in the world and get on, get back on Kreischer's podcast, get back on Gentleman's Dojo, yeah, get on Bobby Lee's. I got to get on other people's podcasts, but I haven't freaking been in LA. And. Now I'm in L.A. Yeah, so, like one appearance on one of those shows, you could get everybody knowing about it. Exactly. So, And I haven't pulled it my favors. I haven't pulled any favor cards like that because I don't want to just go on a podcast just to promote my own podcast. Although maybe that is the smart move. I don't know. Bottom line is I got stories, and they need to be told. And people they can love, come on yours, too, as well, and promote theirs. Exactly. And they love, they love hearing the stories. And like I know that I'll get on Joe, I'll get with Joe Rogan at some point. You know, we were on we were on the road together for a year or two, but I'm not the dude that's going to ask to get on it because Joe's got a real, real, real business going on, and he's talking to people that have to. They're promoting things. They're taught. You know what I mean? So I want to have either the, you know, my show that's going talk about, and then we can then he and I can kick it yeah. and really talk about how much fun we had on the road and what I learned from being in front of those audiences with him and how disciplined he was oh, yeah. and you, showed me you definitely can get on there I mean he had one of my childhood friends on there for for his stuff yeah if you're putting stock tip Dave's childhood friends on who knows why isn't Mike Young there but that's that's a whole nother story anyway this is stories that need to be told we told some good stories we've been on for an hour we'll be back next week Bob Saget and I will be in Sioux Falls, Iowa next Saturday um, playing that casino in Sioux, Sioux Falls. And then we've got Philly, New York, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, all coming up in about a month or so. Wow. So we got some cool gigs coming. I'm going to shoot my damn special. If I have to pay for it myself, I don't care. But, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm a scrappy person who's had to be self-disciplined. So I am very disciplined, but I want to take it to another level of discipline where I can f- 
get that focus. And I, I think maybe waking up earlier is going to be a thing for me. I, maybe I need to put two hours into one of my projects so that my brain can function enough to get back to being here. So anyway, stories that need to be told. Mike Young, Stock Tip Dave, we'll see you soon. Aaron, thank you. All things comedy, we're out. Peace. Take me back when I was a kid. Take me Never back Never had now. to worry about what I did. The one time I'm a man two. now. Check it out. Now. Gotta the get it down. No sound. time for fun down now. now. Take me back uh, when I was a kid. Two. Never had to worry about what back. I Coming did. Coming back for you. But I'm a man now. Where we're going